I'm just thankful, you know, because it's not, it's just not, not, not a lot of us that are having this type of success that's, that's in this type of situation, the leadership. Like I talk to a lot of um, people that, you know, ask for my advice in regards to their like division three, division two, you know, head coaches, you know, should I take an opportunity to be an assistant? I'm like, man, why would you want to give up being a leader to go, you know, help somebody else with their dream and you're already in a position, you know, that was me. Like it would have sound great to say, Hey, yeah, I'm in the ACC. I'm coaching in the SEC, but shit, I want to lead. I want to lead the way I, I lead. You know, I don't want to be working for someone. Um, and I'm having to, you know, tell kids a lie, you know what I'm saying? It, working for someone is, it is about what they, what they believe, not about what I believe. Cause I got to keep the job. I don't want to do that. I want to do it my way. You know, and I feel like my way is just being transparent and caring about people and loving them and hoping that in pushing them, you know, beyond what they think they can go, they understand, you know, this is what it's about. I want to create something that I wish my younger self could have had when I first entered the profession, which is a platform to serve and impact the next generation of coaches. Young coaches, young professionals, young leaders, they need to see black faces and they need to um, know their story. Personal lives are generally publicized within our profession. So our platform will be very unique because our guests will all share their powerful stories to help our listeners unlock their potential greatness. One word, guys. Real. Talk. Real, real talk. Real. Uh, <laughs> For real. Terrell Robinson, um, head women's basketball coach at North Carolina A&T. Man, I don't want to say I had a favorite guest, but I saw myself in him so much. Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, man, talk about confident. Talk about um, learning from mistakes. Talking about being willing to do what's different, literally. What you'll get from um, Coach Terrell here is different than you will hear at any symposium you go to, any um, other Zoom call you'll listen to, or anything that has anything to do with coaches. He's literally saying, do the opposite. Um, and I really enjoyed that. Nah, man, relatability. You know, that's how I, that's what I take, relatability. Um you know, man, Coach Terrell just came out and, and, and again, we, we started off by saying real, but that's what he did. He came out and just, and just you know, spoke as transparent as he possibly could, uh, not only to us, but to, our, you know, to obviously our audience as well. Um, talked about being stubborn, but talked about being confident. You know what I mean? Talked about being green, but talked about learning from his mistakes. You know, talked about not really having mentors, but finding a way to get it done no matter what, by any means possible. You know, one thing we talked about, I even asked him and posed a question, um, you know, kind of how he's gotten the way he's got. And he just said it, man, I came from nothing. If I fail, I don't have anything to fall back on. You know, my family is what drives me. That's my motivating factor. And I can't make, I can't go back to that address and look them in their face, let them know I failed. Anything I got my name on, I got to make sure it's got success behind it. And I think that's why he's where he's at right now. I think that's why he's been able to have the success that he's had as a head coach um, because of the the individual that he is. He's, he's straight black and white. He talks about it. I don't have any gray. Um, but the thing about that that I like, though, Ish, 
was even though he kept it real and just said, look, man, I'm black and white. I don't have no bull crap, no nonsense. He really, know, he really cares about his people. He cares about his people now. Like he, he, he do, he cares about his people, not just his players, his coaches, the people around the community. Like he, 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 he know Carolina A&T through and through, you know what I mean? And obviously me, man, at the time, I mean, being in the league, you know, you know me being at PC right now and, and obviously, Ant coming into Big South, like obviously, I ain't I ain't cheering for Ant men's basketball, but I'm cheering for Ant Ant women's basketball, man, because he, you know, he had, he made a fan of me, um, you know, because again, what what he was able to give us throughout his conversation, I think, gonna gonna help a lot of people, um, and I I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I really think you guys gonna do the same. Yeah, um, one of my favorite things that he mentioned was about being a leader at the school that he's at, okay? So he's at HBCU, and, you know, him talking about being offered jobs at a Power 5 assistant, things like that, his response was like, why would you want to give up being a leader? And what people, well, people understand it, but, you know, being an assistant coach and being a head coach are two completely different jobs. doesn't matter what school you're at they're two completely different jobs. So if your dream is to be a leader and you want to set the tone, you want to, you want to um, be the person that's responsible for the culture, then you pursue what works for you. You don't pursue something because everybody else thinks it's cool. Um, But like I said, like I always say, get your pen ready, get your notebook, man. You guys are going to enjoy this one here. We are here with Terrell Robinson, head women's basketball coach at North Carolina A&T. Welcome to the show, coach. Hey, what's going on, y'all? Um, we really appreciate you being here with us. This is the Black Excellence in Sports podcast, where we highlight those who we believe have demonstrated Black excellence. We want to highlight their story, their testimony, use their voice to inspire others to unlock their greatness. Coach, how would you define Black excellence? When you hear that, what, what comes to mind? Um, you know, for me, black excellence, you know, means like, you know, taking advantage of the opportunities that we, you know, as a people get and then using it, um, using that platform right now to uplift others and show others the, the way. Coach, is there anybody in your life um, that you've deemed demonstrated black excellence? Um, yeah, I mean, but it's, you know, it's people like, you know, my family, you know, my mom, you know, my mama's boy come from a single family home. Um, you know, my mom did a lot for me. She, to this day, gives me the best advice, you know, possible. Um, she's really the only person I listen to. You know, I'm kind of a know-it-all. I'm confident. You know, I like to learn things the hard way. But my, my mother is, um, is my rock, um, as well as, you know, I can't, you know, forget my family. You know, my wife, you know, and my kids who, who are very supportive. I have a son who's autistic. Um, and he's really the one that has really given me, given me the push to, to the position that I am now. Like I'm like most, uh, you know, minorities in this, in this profession or, you know, in this world where um, sports gave me an opportunity and then it created other doors um, that I took advantage of. And once my son came into this world, like being a failure, and now I have two other young women, two kids uh, after that, being a failure was, was unacceptable. 
Coach, you talk about um, learning the hard way. What are some things that, that you may have learned the hard way? And I want to say this, you know, if you look at your resume, you look at your bio, it'll look like you've had seamless transitions and also, you know, being a head coach uh, for so long at the same school, that, that's, pretty, that's pretty impressive. Um, so, you know, what, what is something that you have learned the hard way um, and what have you learned from, from those situations? Well, I, you know, I've tried to, you know, force, um, you know, the process. I, I can remember when I initially got into this profession, I was a graduate assistant on the men's side here at a my alma mater. And uh, Saudi Roundtree gave me the opportunity to be an assistant coach on her staff going into my second year grad school. And, and like I said, I was in a position where um, I had a, a kid on the way and I was making $12,000 at the time as a GA and she offered me 36. So it was a no-brainer decision. Um, but at the end of the year, uh, she asked me to take take a pay cut so she can add someone to the staff. And, you know, the, the AD was on the same page with that. And I wasn't having it. I wasn't having it. And um, and it, things got crazy in that in the office because I was not going to accept a pay cut. And um, I walked away from, you know, co coaching in this profession. And I went to high school, um, you know, for two years. And uh, then tried to get back. I felt like, you know, that experience on the women's side wasn't for me. So I thought, you know, I'm going back to the men's side. I ain't got time for all this pettiness or whatever the case may be. And there's a, a coach that I want to thank, you know, for turning me down, uh, for getting me where I am now. Ernie Nestler um, had a position at Elon. He was, it was his first year at Elon. Ernie Nestler coached at Elon. He coached uh, with Dave uh, Odom at Wake Forest, coached Tim Duncan. Um, he had a, a position open that uh, didn't come with benefits. And I just wanted to get back on that side. And, um, and I went over there and I interviewed and the interview went well. And he asked me about my family and I told him I had, you know, three kids. He told me there was no way he was going to offer me this job. He's like, there's no way you're going to be able to provide for your family. I know you're saying your wife understands. He said, but I'm not going to put you in that predicament because this is a grind and, you know, and it doesn't pay well. You know, so he turned me down and I thought I was going to have to go back to high school and Patricia Cage Bibbs had a position open up and she was the head coach that I just recently, well, not recently replaced um, eight years ago, but she brought me back here on the women's side. And, you know, then the rest is history. You know, I tried to force my way, you know, thinking that I was a, a men's coach and that's what I was going to do after my one stint, you know, with women's basketball. And um, actually this was, this was my calling. Coach, I love how you say that this is your calling um, about coaching on the women's side, but Take us back um, to when you got into that process of going from a graduate assistant after one year to being a full-time assistant coach on the women's <laughs> side. Um, speak about your growth. Speak about things that, that you look back now and say, man, I, I wish I would have did those things a little differently because I had no idea what I was doing. You know, I was very, I was very green. I was very, you know, immature. Um, I can remember our first game um, working for Saudi um, and she asked me for a scouting report. And I looked at her like she was crazy. I'm like, what? Scouting report, man. Why are you asking me about a scouting report? You know, that's how green I was, you know, but she gave me the opportunity because I was pretty good with player development. And, and you know, we had a pretty good relationship. I could help. I helped her around with things that, that went on in campus because I was familiar as someone that went here. But um, it was it was a crazy grind. I, I can honestly say I was not a good assistant coach, you know, um, I was not focused, you know, obviously I was, I think I was about 24 at the time, you know, so I wasn't focused and, and um, I was still at the school that I went to. And I don't, if anyone, 
anyway, graduate, wherever you graduated from, you got to get away from there in order for you to grow and really prepare yourself for this, for that journey. And that was, you know, the thing that happened with me when I went to high school for two years. It, um, it taught me a lot, you know, going back to the grassroots and teaching the game and building those type of relationships, even though trying to get back to the man's side, I was so much more well-prepared when Coach Dills brought me on. I was a little bit more mature. And um, and so, you know, to talk about my first year as assistant coach, man, I was I was horrible. You know, I was horrible. And I'm being transparent in saying that. I just did not understand, uh, you know, the grind. Um, I did not understand nothing but how to play the game, you know. And um, I didn't understand the, 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 the management piece. And I think now when I look back, that's why she was trying to get someone else in there. And that's why they wanted to give me a pay cut. But I was not having it. You know, so that's what I meant, in, you know, earlier when I was talking about being, you know, stubborn, you know, not realizing, you know, they're trying to get someone in there to help me, you know, but I, all I heard was pay cut. And I, that didn't even sound, that sound foreign to me. Coach, that story right there, give, it gives me a lot of hope because, you know, uh, a lot of times I, I try and force the process. Um, but, you know, once I learn, I learn. And I feel like, you know, that's kind of what happened with you because, you know, just in this little bit of time we've been interviewing you, we've learned a lot. And it's, it seems like you had a really, you had a really quick bounce back. Um, looking at that story and, you know, seeing where you are right now, you would guess that, oh, I came right in. I was, I was really good. You know, that's kind of what you would think if you look at your, um, your resume. So what, what about you made that bounce back so quick? And, you know, how could you help somebody that was in the same situation as you or kind of had that same mindset coming in? Well, you know, you know, it goes back to growing up, you know, I didn't, we didn't, you know, have much. And if I didn't play sports, you know, my thought process was, you know, going into the military, you know, so when you get an opportunity and my head coach at the time, um, Curtis Hunter offered me an opportunity, you know, like every kid I wanted to play. Um, but, because of injuries and, you know, not enough talent, you know, that just wasn't for me. And he offered me an opportunity to come be a graduate assistant. And, um, and I took it, you know, took advantage of it. And, um, you know, I totally forgot the question that you asked me. I was getting ready to get on another, another uh, tangent. I, I do that. What, now, what was the question? Say that again. I, I wanted to, to learn for you to dive into like your mindset, because it seems like you, you bounce back really quick. Um, okay, I got you. That's where <laughs> I was going at. Yeah, like it, it was it was simply that, you know, coming from nothing, you know, and knowing that um, if you fail, there's nothing there to, you know, to, to pick you up. There's no cushion, you know, there's no uh, nothing, you know, no savings or anything that's going to help you be able to take care of yourself and take care of your family at the time. So my back against the wall, it was like bottom line, you got to deal with this shit and get it done and not make any excuses, you know? And, and, I, and I mean it, you know, the bottom line, getting married, you know, having a family and having to look at them and, and, and be a failure was non-negotiable for me, you know? So I dealt with what I needed to deal with, you know, I dealt with who I needed to deal with and I got it done, you know, like, you know, in terms of mentors, I can't really say that there's anyone that, that, that I share my issues with you know what I'm saying? I kind of, I learned from just observation, conversation, and then just having a dog mentality because at the end of the day, you know, for us, we only get one shot at this, you know what I'm saying? And this opportunity that I have here, like people talk about what's your dream job. I'm at it. You tell me how many of me are in leadership, you know? So, and, and, and I look at the numbers 
and and I pay attention to it. I pay attention to people's paths, and I just I'm just one that makes the most of the opportunity that's given to me. And so far, I've been blessed. In. Coach, coming from your background, uh, elaborate a little bit more of, of being in a leadership position at your mm-hmm. alma mater means to mm-hmm. you. Talk about that a little bit. You know, it means everything. You know, when I, um, the reason I left VCU, Beth Cunningham went over, went on to Notre Dame, and Beth gave me a call and told me what was going on and had, a, had a, an opportunity for me as well um, in that transition. She's like, I'm leaving, but somebody wants to talk to you about a, about a job. You know, and it's crazy. You don't understand your value um, because I'm one. I just put my head down. If anybody tells you tells you anything about me, say he just works. You know, I'm not all about the laughs and giggles. You know what I'm saying? I'm about getting the job done. And it was crazy when Beth left. How many phone calls I got, and I didn't reach out to anyone. You know, once the word got that she was leaving and the job was open at VCU, like my phone was blowing up. What are you gonna do? You know, so and so wants to talk to you. You know, so it led to a lot of mid-major opportunities and it came down to two power five opportunities in this position here. And there was no way in hell I was going to turn this down, you know, because I would worked for Coach Bibbs and and we had a tremendous amount of success and won championships. And um, and I knew for a fact that I knew what it took to come in here and do it again. Plus, I felt like I knew a little bit more just from what I gained at VCU. When I left ANT to go to VCU, I was associate head coach here. I went to VCU to be the third, you know, and it was simply because I just wanted another. I wanted to know what am I missing, you know, because I was I was one of those people that was hating when I saw other people getting opportunities that looked like me. I'm like, hell, I'm just as good. I work just as hard. Why am I not getting those opportunities? You know, so I took that that jump and went on the other side just to see what I was missing. I realized I wasn't missing nothing. It's just perception. You know, so when the opportunity came, I was like, I'm going back home and I'm going to make it the most. I'm going to make the most of it. Love that mentality. Um, so what separates you as a black man in, your, in life and in your career? Because, you know, as you mentioned earlier, it's not, it's not many um, black men in, in leadership positions like this. So what, what separates you? You know, I, I think I'm very transparent. I'm very straight up, um, you know, and I also think I'm very caring. Like the one thing that I've learned in this, like you can't demand things of people that they don't think you or know you care about them. You can't demand effort in your staff. You can't demand effort from your players. You can't demand effort from the administrators unless they truly think you're invested in the big picture. And, and I think that's that's who I am. And, and I think that's why we've had so much success here, you know, more than, than others. You know, I don't take for granted what we have going on. Um, I just, you know, I just want to make the most of it. You know, I want my family to be taken care of. And when it's all said and done, like I said, this is my dream opportunity. There's no waiting for someone to give me a call. You know, I'm, I'm where I need to be. I'm, I'm helping who I need to help. Talk about how you use your qualities of being transparent and real within your program, with your players and with your staff. We have real conversations about about life, about what's going on, you know, socially. Um, I empower them. You know, I empower these young women. Your voice is important, you know, and I just hope that whatever we do, we do it together. You know, um, we had, an, we, it was funny. We had a situation a few years ago where we had a player that decided she was going to take a knee and wasn't, didn't tell anyone and, and didn't handle or didn't accept or handle what came with that well you know, and was, you know, getting booed, you know, she did it on the road. 
and um, got booed and was emotional and felt like the officials were attacking her and all that stuff. And, and that taught me a valuable lesson. And I told them, like, we got to be, you know, it's not like nobody else wants to, you know, feel the same way, but we got to do this thing together. We don't want anyone to be out there on the island alone standing for what they believe. We all believe the same thing. You know, and I, I embraced her with that. But I right now, what was going on now, I tell our young woman, let's do this thing together, man. Let's, whatever we do, let's talk about it. Let's not be secretive and, and let's get it done. I'm for it. Coach, um, how would you describe your management style? Um, and where do you learn that from? If, if you've learned it from anywhere? Um. Well, I, you know, I, I would say I learned my management style from both women that I worked for, and even my administrator, uh, my, my AD, Earl Hilton, um, Beth Cunningham, Pat Bibbs, the people that I worked for, like, they've, they've empowered you. They don't, they don't micromanage, you know, but deadlines need to be met, you know, expectations need to be met, and, you know, and then you have to understand that people have lives outside of work, and, and they seem to be able to get that thing done. It's them young people, man, that don't, that you gotta... <laughs> They the problem is it's not it's not the it's not you know my staff up until this year we've been together for eight years we had someone leave this year but um, we had a great relationship great understanding uh, we cared about each other we worked hard for one another and you know with the success you know you just it's just something that you just you just stick with you know and um, management is easy I don't hold back what my expectations are. Um, they're non-negotiables. I was talking to our players and my staff today. There's no gray in my black and white. You know, these are the things that we're going to do. This is how we're going to go about our business. And as I told you earlier, I'm a pretty confident person. I'm okay with failing because that's a part of life. It's all about how you respond to it. Terrell, you brought up Earl Hinton or Hilton. And I know Hilton. he's the a he's the AD, right? Yep. That hired you. Absolutely. I actually read something to where he was in compliance when you was a player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talk to nah. me talk to me about how you never know who's watching because obviously you demonstrated something really well as a player for him to, you know, flat fast forward to him hiring you as a as a head coach. Absolutely. He um he used to tell me when I played, he told me I worked hard. He's such a hard worker. You know, that's what he just always say. Hey, hey Terrell, love man, I love how hard you work. I love how you get after it. And um, when the opportunity, you know, opened up, um, first, let me, let me go back again. I, you know, I get off. So I had an AD when Coach Bibbs was here tell me that I would never get hired on the women's side and that I needed to go to the men's side. I thought that, you know, and that, that stuck with me. And then for me to leave and then Mr. Hilton obviously take over, and, and uh, the conversation was simple. Do you want to be a head coach here? And got offered the job and went to, came to Ante on Friday. And that was the conversation. And he said, you know, you've already shown your track record of success. And I remember how hard you worked as a player. And I know you're going to work hard here. And shit, that was easy for me. It was a no-brainer. You know, um, Earl is, he's a, he's, a, he's a good guy, man. And he's, he's very, like myself, real transparent. And he lets you work. And if it makes sense, he's okay with it. And that's another thing in regards to our success um, that I've learned. And I think you all know in this business, too, your administration, the president, they, they got to they gotta want to put the resources in and, and want to invest in your program for you to be successful. It's not all me. It is what they allow me to do is what the things that they give me to give these young women, to give my staff, to help us create 
what is, you know, Lady Aggie basketball? I'm not even sure if I answer that, man. I just be, you know. <laughs> Perfect. We love it. Um, Coach, you spoke earlier about your non-negotiables and there's no gray in your black and white. Can you talk mm -hmm. about some of your non-negotiables um, with your team and with your staff that, that may help our audience who, um, you know, looking for some, some nuggets or some knowledge? Hey, here's one thing. I hate I thought. <laughs> Please don't tell me I thought. Ask the damn question so it ain't no, you know what I'm saying, before the action, just ask, you know, and I get it. And because I tell them, you don't ask because you don't want the answer. You want to do whatever it is that you you was doing, you know. Um, we we have, I feel like in order to instill discipline, you know, you got to establish rules, guidelines, all those things. Like right now with our young women being here, we got COVID guidelines. Look, you don't do this, you're going home. I'm not finna, we're not finna deal with all that. You know, this is not the time. Pre-COVID, yeah, that was great. Now we can't do it. You know, so I'm one of those people. I'm one of those one step, two step, three step, you know, and if we skip, now we ain't skipping four. Now the other one, no, we're not doing that. That's me. That's me. So, um, you know, the things that we put on paper, the things that we say we're about, I try to hold true to that. Um, I think, you know, in sports in general, man, you get talent. That's great. But you can get that talent to be disciplined. You know, you're going to you're going to win more than the other person, which goes to that word accountability that we all talk about. Don't you seem like you're all about the process? Like you said, mm -hmm. you go step by step, one step, two step, three step. Talk about your process when you first became or was named the head coach mm. up until now. When I um when I first took over, we finished the season with nine kids. Nine kids. Um we and this was all compliance stuff I'm about to say. We had two a days and we, you know, we we got after it. I was trying to figure out who really wanted to do this, you know, and, and, and it was, it was, you know, six to eight in the morning. And then we go six to eight, you know, in the evening. And we did that um, to speed up the process in regards of, you know, just, um, I'm sorry, things that I expect us to do from a discipline standpoint, um, how I expect them to carry themselves. We had an incident where, um, and I guess this is just how they were prior to a cell phone went off in practice. One, why the hell is a phone in practice? And then it went, went off. Never again. Like we didn't practice. Put the balls up. Let me go ahead and use this moment as a teaching lesson. And, you know, it never happened again. And I still, to this day, like the players that graduate, they still talk about, you know, those times. But, you know, as adults now, they get it. You know, it is. It is just setting a tone, it's setting a level of ex expectation and, and making sure that people understand you have to live up to it. So as I said, we finished the season, you know, with nine, um, nine kids. We won 22 games. Uh, we went to the WNIT. We ended up losing um, in the semifinals of our conference tournament to a really good Howard team that was uh, coached by Nikki Geckler, who's at um, uh, Georgetown. And uh, we went to, you know, went to, um, went to uh, the WNIT that year and, and winning, you know, it cures all, you know, so those returners were bought in and uh, the freshmen, the new players that came in, the returners got them bought in and it just gets to rolling and then it's just about sustaining it. And I've been in situations where I felt like we've underachieved um, as a program. And a lot of it was, again, me falling on my face and assuming, you know, and things that I've learned is that you can never assume these young people get it, that they know why you're successful. 
that they that they know why it is happening because they're just in it. They're doing what you say and they're in it. And so now I'm just like, well, I can't, you know, I can't think seniors know why we win. I got to consistently show them until they're, you know, not just echoing it, but doing it. Coach, um, what up? could you, you know how, you know, since, since you've been head coach, I'm sure the different type of players have, have changed. Um, <laughs> and you talked a little bit about sustaining it and continuing to make sure they understand. Could you do that same type of tactic with your team today or your last year's team? And also, um, how, how do you think they have changed? And have you changed a little bit? Oh, yes. Yes, generation? yes. Yes, I've changed. I've changed that to the point where I understand you have to relate to, to – you got to relate to them in terms of their thought process. Uh, but the standards and expectations can't change. You know what I'm saying? You got to, you know, spend a little more time with them, have those conversations. Um, allow them to fail, you know what I'm saying? Pick them up when they fail, you know what I'm saying? Pick them up when they fail again, pick them up when they fail again. And the only thing, you know, for me, um, that a young lady can not be on the same page if they're not taking care of business academically and obviously coming to practice and competing, you know, but performing, you know, as, as we know as, as players and athletes, that sometimes that's not always on us, you know, but, um, but yeah, no, I've changed, I've changed, you know, the two a days now we don't we don't do that much anymore you know we've gotten better players with better mentalities recruiting is always you know important you know with that but um yeah I, I can honestly say I have changed but there's also you know lessons in I felt like I might have changed too much and I need to get back to a little bit of, of who I was then. Well you touched on it earlier that your assistance um up until this past year, you had your assistant still on your staff for eight years. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's obviously big-time continuity. Um, talk about why you think your assistants stay that long with you. Outside of having the success and, and being a part of winning, winning cultures, obviously there's something that you do um, that they admire, but makes, which want to keep them around. So why do you think that is? I care. You know, I genuinely care about them. Um, and it's, it's um, not just work, you know. Um, my um, two assistants right, right now, uh, Siobhan Ert, my associate head coach, uh, Jaleesa Sams, who I actually recruited here and uh, was an assistant coach, and now she's, she's working for me. Um, we talk every day. We talk every day, you know. Like, I leave work. One of them will call them, and we're having conversations about practice. We're having conversations about life. I know their entire families. Like, it's that type of relationship. And I feel like for anybody, you know, when you talk about transitioning on and taking another job, um, especially for women, that thing, it matters. It matters if someone values your time, you know, that values the things that you think are important and it's beyond. Did you get that scout done? Did you, you know, where are we with that kid? You know, that's the conversation after we talk about how's your mom, you know, how's your, how your, how your relative, you know what I'm saying? How are you doing? You know, I'm doing everything I can, you know, to try to get Mr. Hilton to give you more money. You know what I'm saying? Like those are the type of transparent things that, you know, that, that, and I tell them, don't take it for granted. You know, I've been in situations when I went to, to VCU and there's no knock, you know, Beth made sure I understand you are here to recruit. Like they didn't realize I knew basketball till about the time the year was over. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, so, um, but that's the, that was kind of the stereotype coming from HBCU. You know, he can just recruit. 
you know, and then when you get on that stage where you're, you know, scouts and, and you have to show up in timeouts and, and help out in certain situations, you know, and you build that confidence and show, now I know the game a little bit. I know the game a little bit. Loaded question. Were you ready to be a head coach? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, coach Bibbs, I mean, she, she put a lot on my plate, man. She really empowered me. She allowed me to work. And, and again, thinking back, those were her last years in it. You know what I'm saying? And she was, she's a pioneer. She's done it for 30 plus years. She probably worn out and she needs, you know, someone to do it for. And she allowed me to work and it gave me confidence. It gave me confidence that when I went to VCU, that, that shit was nothing. You know, I'm not a scout. I could do a scout. I know basketball. I can terminology. What do you want? You want him to draw a play up in timeout? That's fine. I already did that back at NT. You know, and, and when that happened, you know, when I got on that stage and Beth, you know, within a year, um, promoted me to recruiting coordinator, uh, first assistant, and then associate head coach in my last year when Mr. Hilton called. And when I accepted that opportunity, I knew that I was, I was prepared. You know, I knew I was prepared from a technical standpoint. Coach Bills gave me the confidence. Beth gave me the strategy, you know. And, and when I got here, I just took it and went with it. Um, you just talked about being prepared technically and uh, with the strategy. What about yourself as a leader? How have you grown since – first coming in, being a head coach, and, and now? Continue to study the game. Like, you can, you know, a lot of times you try to figure out why, you know, people are consistently successful and why those fall off is because you, you think that you've got it all figured out. And I realize that's not the case. You know, the game is constantly evolving. Everybody's scouting. Everybody's recruiting. you got to find new ways to, one, get kids, get young women here to help you be successful, and, two, to coach them, as we talked about with this generation changing, you know, and then just how to use them and how to keep them, you know. Um, I, I tell people this all the time, man. People don't leave A&T um, because they want to, <laughs> you know, when it comes to transferring. You know, this is a great environment. It's a great situation. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a nurturing environment, and then you have success. But there are expectations and standards, and if you can't live up to them, it is what it is. Coach, quick question. Yeah. Obviously, you know the landscape of, of college basketball when it comes to HBCUs right now on the men's side. Mm -hmm. How is that perspective on the women's side? I know a lot of people are talking about it from the male perspective of getting, you know, some quality athletes to go to HBCUs on the male mm -hmm. side. Is it the same way on the women's side? And if so, how are you approaching that and using your platform to kind of create that, that avenue for the women? In my opinion, I don't think the women are there. I think um, even the talks with the men, you know, the young man that's, that's, that's um, I think he's going to Howard, you know, everybody's talking about a one and done, you know, there's too many times with, with, with boys, like they're considered pros as ninth graders, you know, so whatever decision they make is the decision they make. They just got to make the right choices while they're there so they can fulfill, you know, whatever that, you know, their upside is. On the women's side, it's still the same thing. It's still in terms of you got to be in school, you know, you got to stay there for that certain amount of time and, and then just for whatever reason. Well, we know what the reason is. Um, you know, when it's time for those drafts, they're still going to those same schools to get them. You know, so until, you know, someone really steps out and, and just wants to make that change, the change is not going to happen because it's just the, it's the perception, it's the stereotype. And I talk about it, you know, but I, I'm a firm believer and I tell young women that's in recruiting and it can be a turn on or turn off. HBCU ain't for everybody, you know, and if it's not for you, fine, we'll keep it moving, 
you know, because there's enough young women out there that do want the black experience, you know, and I was telling my young women during this time right now, like, this is the best time you talk about black excellence, show people why you made this decision, you know, be the best in the classroom, on the court, now is the time, you made the choice, now we're, you know, the spotlight is on us, what are you going to do about it? Coach, talk about the black experience. Elaborate on that. I like that. I um, I tell parents this: like you're gonna find every everybody uses that that cliche word family, right? But you're gonna find family at an HBCU. It's the person that's serving you food in the cab. It's the person that's that's clean and you know that's uh uh beautifying or whatever they call it beautification the the, the uh. The, 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 uh, the campus, and here's a story. This guy knew me since I was a, a player here. And he said, coach, he's one of the guys that clean, you know, cut the grass and all that stuff. Coach, he said, man, I saw three of your girls walking around with no mask on, and you know I had to check them. Girl, you better put your mask on. And he told me who they were, their names. Like, you're not finna get that. You're not finna get that that level of comfort and that level of somebody else beyond your coaching staff, beyond the athletics department that still wants you to be your best you and you to be successful. You know, like HBCU is so, we're so much more than um, a good homecoming. Yeah, no, nah, don't get it twisted shit. We know, we know how to have a good time, but it's so much more than that. Coach, I want to go back to um, when you said you got to VCU and she just, and your, your bosses wanted you to recruit, right? Um, I hear a lot so of- get, So you want to get back to that, okay. <laughs> I, I want to get back to it because a lot of people in the profession kind of allows that to that stigma or that, you know, you just hear to recruit. It allows them, it gets them to lose their confidence in everything else, mm-hmm. um, you know, and they're, and they're allowed to be like, am I ready? Am I not ready? How did you use that to, you know, just take advantage of opportunity and not allow that to- think is going to hinder your your career you can't you just absolutely can't like you what are your goals what do you want for yourself you know you you can't you didn't get in this profession just to recruit for somebody for forever I hope you got in it because someday you want to be a leader you know so when when that situation happened with me it was like all right like it was so it was so crazy you know that it was such a you know I could feel it from the players, you know, it was just like coming from HBCU, it was less. I'm like, all right, I'm confident. And as I told you before, I'm not finna let them people down that live, you know, where I live in my address. So this this is cool. My my first semester at VCU was was the worst time of my career. You know, now they wouldn't know wouldn't have known that because I was too focused on I'm not finna get fired, I'm gonna do my job, I'm gonna sign this class. And I'm going to, you know, do my scouts and take advantage of every opportunity that was given to me. And a lot of them came. A lot of opportunities in timeouts, a lot of opportunities doing scouts, strategizing and, and ideas and, and having great conversations, you know, with Beth and the rest of the staff. But I never once, I'm not one of those people that if things ain't going right for me, I don't care about the success of what I'm a part of. I'm a part of it. Anything I'm a part of, I want to, I want my name to be connected with winning. I wasn't going to mess that up. So. I did, stayed in my place, did what I needed to do. And when the opportunity came, I jumped all over that shit. And from there, you know, the rest is history. So anybody that feels that way, one, you can only do that for so long. At some point you gotta bounce. You know what I'm saying? Like you gotta go on and 
and find get some places that's going to give you a platform and going to give you an opportunity to grow and that's what this is all about we can't just talk about that we want these young people that are playing for us to grow we got to also have our staff to grow we got to help them grow we got to nurture them we got to let them know about the opportunities that's going to help them do that and, and again it goes back you know you're talking about why my staff um, is still here Coach Earp is one of the best assistant coaches in the country. She's associate head coach. She's won multiple championships. She, she has great recruiting classes. She's very articulate. She has a great basketball mind. People have come after her, but she, she hasn't left yet. Not saying that I, you know, I wanted her to leave, but I definitely think she's ready to be a head coach. Are you talking about Siobhan coach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played for her. And you. Yeah, I, I know. I know. I know. I know. Her, uh, her and Beth used to talk a lot about you and several other, you know, players, you know, on that team. I, I can remember before I really met Siobhan um, while she was at William & Mary, um, I can remember Beth saying Siobhan said, Siobhan said, you know what I'm saying? So then I put two and two together when she got to William & Mary. But, yeah, you got to be confident, though. You can't, you can't allow. That's, that's crazy. You got to, yeah. And then outside of the people in your circle, you know, what are they saying? You need new people in your circle. You know, they just listening to you complain. Terrell, you've been in situations where your ego or your pride could have probably got in the way um, of helping you accomplish the things that you accomplished so far. Can you talk to our audience? Because obviously we're going to have a lot of young coaches listening. Um, mm -hmm. Can you talk to them about how they can kind of manage that so it doesn't affect them and their young careers? Yeah, I, I feel, I think that things that are out of your control, man, you can't even worry about. Like if you literally can't turn that switch on off, why are you worried? Why are you stressing that? Or why are you allowing it to, to mess up, you know, your vibes, you know? And, and, and I do, I have been stubborn. I have still to this day, but I'm always bet, you know, bet on it because I've gotten myself this far, you know, with the help of the Lord and I'm not, I'm not turning back. I'm not just going to all of a sudden allow someone to tell me something that don't sound right to me. Nah, shit, I got, it. I got this far doing it this way. We're going to keep doing it, you know, living on the edge. Coach, I know you're really good friends with um, my, my former boss, Rika Patterson. Um, mm -hmm. And she always <laughs> talks about how important it is to have good people around her to, you know, to tell you the truth. Um, can you talk about how important it is to you to, to make sure your circle is right, make sure you got good people in your circle? What, what, how do you kind of um, go about that? I'm, I'm a relationship person. And the easy thing for me with people I listen to, uh, people I work with, and obviously, you know, family, you know, and, and me and Rika, we were 23 years. We went to school together. We were friends. And it's just kind of crazy that we're in this this profession together and we're strongly we support each other I was she spoke to our players and I was telling our players it was so funny I said when they won the national championship at Baylor shit you'd have thought we won like we partied all night too I, I was up in uh Colorado you know you'd have thought that I, I was getting a ring you know because I was just that excited with someone that I've you know built a relationship with since we were freshmen um when we met in um in, in study hall and and now seeing you know what she's done and now what she's continuing to do um you know her 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 words are valuable to me you know and i and i cherish our relationship and i have another you know friend that i have that type of relationship with to adams she's the associate head coach you know at wright state we both came here 
to North Carolina A&T State University together with Coach Bibbs. And we, we were the only two assistants. Um, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to make her look bad. Our first two years working for Coach Bibbs, we never went out of July recruiting. We didn't realize it was July recruiting. We was just going to the movies, grabbing lunch, and coming back into the office. No bullshit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know. You know, so I appreciate I appreciate y'all saying of success and winning and all that, but, but, but hey, the road was. <laughs> but we used to we used to kick it, man. And and you heard me, associate head coach at Wright State. She was a head coach at Howard University. She she was at Northwestern. You know, I mean, um, being being real, we just kind of learned it on our own. But that you know, her Rika are, are two people that I really confide in and really value. You know, you know their opinion is because I know that they know me. I worked with them, you know, or you know went to school with them, and and my teammates. You know, like those are the people. I don't I don't really like in this profession because it's such a competitive environment. I don't think it benefits you to share too much. You know, I don't think it benefits you, and that's what I, I tell my coaching staff. Like, you just gotta be careful, man, because you know, we're going to be recruiting the same kids. And, and sometimes people have no, they just want to get that kid. They want to please, you know, who they're working for before they please you. They want to increase, you know, that bankroll, you know. So, uh, so yeah. Yeah, I don't, I can't, I don't, I don't have mentors. I have two, two people off the top of my head. I have a lot of people I talk to, but two people that I really talk to. I know they probably piss a lot of people off because I talk to a lot of people. <laughs> Coach, you talk about how you just made a good point or a point that you don't have mentors. And I think for, for someone that has had success like you, um, some people would be shocked to say, man, dang, like I would expect them to have somebody kind of showing him the way. And I know we've touched on it, but I'm, I'm just real curious on where did that drive to, to, to really formulate the mindset to, to be able to attain the success that you have now? Because for me, it's, it's you have a unique journey, you know, and for you to not say you had someone kind of showing you the way you kind of had to figure it out on your own. Um, what what happened? When did that happen? What clicked? I told you, man, my family, you know, when you you bring, you know, kids into this to this world, man, you know, and I'm where I come from. My background it was just my mom. My father was in the picture a little bit, but, you know, he wasn't in the picture. You know what I'm saying? And. Um, I don't want that for my kids. I don't want that. I want to provide. I want to be there. You know, I want them to be proud of me. You know, I want, I want whatever my legacy is, you know, them to obviously enjoy the, the, the benefits of it. And, and that's as, as real as I can be, man. I'm not, um, I'm a selfless person. Um, you know, I won't be denied in terms of work ethic, in terms of preparation, in terms of what I demand of those around me. And and that's really, you know, what it is. And then just God's good grace. You know, I could couldn't do it without him, you know. And uh, and that's that's one hundred. That's one hundred, you know. That that is it. I can't even make up anything to make it sound good. This that is that is who I am. I mean, you look you see me, I'm right here coronified and everything. Look at my beard and normally I have my dark and lovely on, man. This is, you know, my players like, man, what is wrong with you? When you came to see me, you had all black hair. Yes, I did. <laughs> it's called dark and lovely, you know what I'm saying? But um, but yeah, nah, I am, I am who I am, man, and 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 it is it is it is I've benefited from it because people trust me with their kids, you know, people trust me, you know, to work under me, people trust me for advice, 
you know, and um, and I hope they continue to, you know, and I'll continue to try to be the best version of myself and, and live up to the expectations of, of my family and obviously this, this university that I'm so appreciative to be a part of. Um, Coach, you, you talked about, you know, um, not sharing too much and not, you know, having a whole lot of friends and, and things of that nature in the profession. And it's interesting because um, when I when I go to the Final Four, and I haven't really been to that many, maybe four or five, the coaches that, you know, are the ones making it happen are the ones that's kind of by themselves, um, not the ones that's, you know, the most social um, out there. And not saying that you don't have a social life, but um, the ones that I see have very, very tight circles. So that that's a common thing um, that I see. And it's it could be really easy to get caught up in the – the coaching, the coaching social club. Um, and then even with the, when you said not having mentors, um, I, I think that's very interesting. But for me, I have a lot of people that are willing to help me and I have a lot of support. Um, but I use my, I use my mentors or people that support me. I just use them to give me feedback and I go to them like after I've made the decision. So um, I kind of wanted to kind of interpret and interpretate that a little bit because, um, you know, some people look at mentors like, oh, this person's going to tell me what to do. This person's going to show me the way. When mm-hmm. in reality, maybe a mentor is there to, to maybe say, hey, just tweak this a little bit, not to give you a whole um, straight line path. And, and that's kind of mm-hmm. what people mess up because they don't make their own decisions or they don't fall on their face on their own. But mm-hmm. I want to ask you this. Um, what, what's a low moment or what, what is the biggest lesson that you had to overcome as a head coach specifically? Mm, the biggest, um, you know, last summer I had a, um, an incident where a young lady, you know, accused me a lot of stuff and, and it got a little bit of um, press and it, and it really blew me because, you know, for me, I feel like our, duties and responsibilities is to take care of young women and, and, and obviously, you know, men, mentor them and show them the way, you know, and, and it just really destroyed me that, that someone was really coming for me like that, especially, you know, when I felt like I was there for them, you know, um, that more than any win or loss, you know, bothers me, you know, cause I'm a firm believer, you know, when a young person leaves here, whether the experience was good, to them or whether it was bad that they got a lot of life lessons and um and that that was the low you know because um what happened you know there was an investigation and the whole uh the whole summer you're out in july and and everybody's looking at you like you know dead man walking you know you can't talk about it and and you know it just was it was one of the what the lowest you know and i it was it was it was a very stressful time because um you know obviously we as professionals and obviously a part of the university, we can't discuss things that are going on, but things are going on, you know? So, um, so yeah, man, nah, that was, that was definitely the low. I felt like I, you know, let someone down, let a family down. And I, you know, I never want to do that, you know, and that was the first, you know, in my, at the time, those my seven years of being a head coach. Wow. Um, man, that also goes back to when a situation like that happens, it goes back to, to relationships too. And people trusting mm-hmm. you and knowing who you are, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because obviously, like you said, somebody can kind of take that and run away with it and 
mm-hmm. and obviously accuse you and say, you know what, she said it, so it's over with. Um, mm-hmm. Can you explain to me, though, just kind of the elaborate and not really on that situation, but can you, can you explain to me how you kind of move past that with your players, your staff, the administration, um, mm-hmm. the families? Because like you said, if it got a little public press, um, you may have some recruits that, that kind of caught wind of it. Can you just talk about kind of your process and approach to how you went about it? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, yeah, recruits and, and everybody. Um, the people that mattered to me, <laughs> my family, um, I didn't really care about anybody in the profession. Obviously, our players, um, you know, my administration that was that was very, you know, supportive, you know, during the whole process. Like, it was just – it was just the time, you know, um, it was, you know, during negotiations on my contract and all that stuff. And it was putting things on hold. Um, but, um, it, um, you know, I just stayed transparent with our players and they were supportive. Again, it was an investigation, you know, so they said and did what they needed to do. And, um, I just patiently, you know, just kind of waited for things to, to roll over. Um, but it was just a disappointment because I just really felt like, I'm like, man, I, really, you know, spent time, met with, got in the gym, you know, paid attention to, because, you know, in our profession, we also have to be aware um, of when young, when players need that. They need that, that hug. They need that, you know, you to get in the gym and get on their page and get that text saying, hey, great job. And I did all those things and for the, you know, for it to go the way it went, just totally like hurt me in terms of who I was. You know, it didn't hurt me as a coach. You know, we had a pretty good season. I think we went undefeated, might have fell short in our tournament championship game. But, uh, yeah, it, it bothered me. It bothered me for that because I just – I'm a, I want to be a man of my word. If I say I'm going to take care of your, your daughter, I want to do that. If I say I'm going to, you know, treat her like she's my own, you know, I'm going to do that. And for that one incident that, um, that it came off as if I didn't, it bothered me. And, and this is my first time even ever talking about it like this, uh, you know, but uh, obviously it's in the past. <laughs> I had a contract extension last summer. Um, we had fun in Puerto Rico last summer and got off to a great season um, until we had a, you know, a, a major injury, but yeah, like things are back to normal. I'm, I'm again, transparent. I don't hold grudges. I just want to move on because I've been too blessed for that. I've been too blessed to really feel like that moment. It's going to define me. There's a whole lot more, you know, in store for for the future. Now we appreciate you uh, you touching on that, Coach. Um, and I'm glad that you said you're blessed because you really are. You know, God has really appreciate blessed you, man. You uh, first of all, congratulations on the contract extension. But um, you know, obviously, man, you you've had tremendous amount of success as a head coach. So obviously, it was it was definitely something that I'm sure was much due. Uh, but with all that success that you have had, talk about how you've kind of stayed grounded because I'm sure that you probably had other opportunities as well um, to probably take other jobs. But obviously I'm sure you chose to, to kind of stay true to your alma mater. And obviously, like you said, that's where you're supposed to be. That's home, that's family. But but talk to us about how you kind of stay grounded along your journey. I'm going to tell you, you know, in reference to the, the job thing, man, again, when you look at, um, sorry, this profession, and you look at, you know, gender, you also look at race, like, you know, it is, it is, and you look at the numbers, 
there's not a lot of me in in those positions that would be considered, you know, those those the type of opportunities we're talking about. And I don't really um, pay attention to it. You know, I just I, I just think I'm excited that I'm in a place where I'm able to consistently have success because that's my name behind it. You know, and um, and I don't really worry about whether or not anything else comes from it. Like I mean it. This is this is my dream job. I have a great chancellor, a great AD. Um, all my kids was born here, you know, me and my wife, my wife went to uh, UNCG. We're both from Fayetteville, North Carolina. Um, you know, it was just, um, it just was the perfect situation, you know, and, um, I don't, I don't really regret it. I'm just thankful, you know, because it's not, it's just not, not, not a lot of us that are having this type of success that's, that's in this type of situation, the leadership. Like I talked to a lot of, um, people that, you know, actually my advice in regards to their like division three, division two, you know, head coaches, you know, should I take an opportunity to be an assistant? I'm like, man, why would you want to give up being a leader to go, you know, help somebody else with their dream? And you're already in a position, you know, that was me. Like it would have sound great to say, Hey, yeah, I'm in the ACC. I'm coaching in the SEC, but shit, I want to lead. I want to lead the way I, I lead. You know, I don't want to be working for someone um, and I'm having to, you know, tell kids a lie, you know what I'm saying? It, working for someone is, it is about what they, what they believe, not about what I believe. Cause I got to keep the job. I don't want to do that. I want to do it my way, you know, and I feel like my way is just being transparent and caring about people and loving them and hoping that in pushing them, you know, beyond what they think they can go, they understand, you know, this is what it's about. Well, you got a lot of, men and young men and women that look like you that want to be in the same position as you one day. And obviously mm -hmm. you touched on it multiple times that there aren't a lot of people that look like you in your position. Give them some insight or give them some, some advice on what they need to do um, to, to be in that position. Uh, you know, the, the one thing that I think um, that I did is that I didn't make any decision hard. You know what I'm saying? I didn't make hard decisions. I, I, I took like coming here, you know, it wasn't a hard decision, you know, it wasn't a hard decision, even though during the time, you know, the people that I talked to consider friends, man, why don't you go there? And why am I go there? Why am I go work for, work for that person? Why am I go work for this person? I want to leave, you know, and, and again, in a, same way they kind of trying to downplay, you know, my job, the opportunity that I'm going to take at my alma mater, shit, don't do that. But, um, but yeah, um, I just think you got to believe in yourself, man. And you also got to be real with yourself too and understand your environment and, and the circumstance. And I think that's something that I do to the point where, you know, it may come off like I'm negative. No, nah, I'm a realist, man. I see it for what it is. And, and I don't, I choose to act like I see it for what it is. You know, I'm not, I have a great agent. I'm not telling my agent to call every job that's open because I went to, I went to Villa 7 when I was at uh, VCU, right? And I forgot who I was talking to. Villa 7 was a Nike, you know, thing that they did for administrators and assistant coaches and everybody felt like it's a big thing when you got an invite. And they said in there, you know, shit, ADs pick people who look like the people that's, Donating money to the school. I'm like, shit, I don't know how many of them going to look like me. That told me a lot right there. And that's something that I'm so thankful about my opportunity at VCU, which probably made me 
make the decision that I made to come to ANT. You know, it's just the reality of it. It's the reality of what's going on in society right now. You know, it's, it is what we live in and that we're trying to bring awareness to. You know, yeah, I got a pretty good winning record, one of the, the best in an eight-year term in terms of winning championships and all that stuff. But it's not, I'm, it's not like I'm expecting anything but the appreciation of the university I'm at. I'm not expecting anyone to come and give me a lucrative contract because that's not the reality based on the numbers. You know, so so for those that are that are doing this thing, man, stay, you know, stay aware, work your ass off, but also, you know, understand your your, your direction. You know, if, if they're in a situation where you don't have growth and it's not getting to you to where you want to go, you got to bounce. You got to have the courage to leave that. Can't be scared. You know, because this is, I couldn't do it, man. I couldn't sit around and, and, and knowing that I am a leader, being under someone who not doing it the way I think it should be done. And that's no knock on, I'm not saying I work for anybody like that. I work for great coaches. I was just saying when it came time to make that decision, wasn't even, the shit wasn't even that hard. Coach, um, can you talk about a moment? Is there a moment in your career um, as an assistant or head coach where you felt as though, man, I could really be good at this? Like it was a play that you made or a recruit that Never. you got? Never. I still don't think I'm good. Never. 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 I even kill, man. Like, I've, I've just as many games as I might have drew up a play to win. Should I lost more. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So we always, we got to get better. Sometimes it's not on us. Sometimes it's things that's out of our control, you know. Um, injuries, you know. Um, poor leadership on the team. Like, there's just a lot of things that that um, I recognize that can happen, you know, and I, and I just feel blessed and excited when good things do happen, you know. So, nah, I never just really felt like, man, I am good. Nah, shit, I got to get better. Like, the world has just has my mentality that if you fall off, shit, you're going to fall short. And, I, again, I can't do that. <laughs> Too much at stake. Well, let me say this. The uh, a moment that you knew that you had what it takes to be successful, or that you knew you had a future, something that gave you confidence that you had a future, or that you could be the leader that you are. I'm sorry, I don't, I don't, you know, I know, I know that sounds crazy. I, I just, you know, I just look back and I'm just thankful. You know, I'm thankful, and I know it's not winning is not easy. It's not easy to be you know, the face of scrutiny when you lose, you know what I'm saying? It's just, you just got to take it when is when you got it, you better be thankful because that shit can leave at any time, you know, and, and like the situation that I had last summer, hell, I could have been out of a job and I felt like that was out of my control. I thought I did everything that I was supposed to do. So, you know, that, if anything, taught me another lesson, just, even kill man, you know. Remember, remember all them them mofos that didn't you ain't hear from nobody. Nobody checked on you. F them. You know what I'm saying? Like it, <laughs> it just showed me a lot. It showed me a lot. So I say to you, nah. I just I just think that I've been fortunate, um, and that I made an easy decision to to come somewhere where I knew how to. I mean, if I can't sell where I spent four years, five years, you know, and and 
had a lot of fun. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If I can't sell it, if I can't, you know, show someone why they should pick it, you know, because it's all about, you know, the talent, you know, you know, getting the type of young women uh, good enough to help you compete against everybody. If I can't do that, then I don't, shit, I don't need to do it. Real, what's the favorite part of doing what you do? The relationships, the, when they're gone, they're still looking for confirmation. They still want to know what coach thinks. They're, they're checking on coach. You know, that is, that is confirmation for me that I did something right, you know, and I value that because, again, that's not the norm. Like, you coach 15 kids. This is my experience. You're lucky if four reach out to you on the regular, wish you happy birthday, check on your family. Because that's, I mean, you just, you know, you got some that didn't play. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got some, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's just one of those things. And when I have, you know, relationships with the people that I've worked with, um, as I talked about, Tennille Allen, Adams, Darren Gench, who's at the University of Richmond that I worked at at VCU. It's my man. You know what I'm saying? We always chopping it up. I value that. I value those relationships. And that is that is really, you know, more impactful and, and long term, you know, than those than the success. I'm just someone that came from nothing, man, is just happy that, you know, I'm making something. That's it. Can you identify a, a unique gift or mentality um, that has, you know, contributed to your success? Just determination. Just don't quit. You know, find a way. You know, and there's always the right way. There's always an answer. You know what I'm saying? It's just like when you're doing scouting reports. I mean, you just got to see what is it? What's their tendency? How to get them out of it? You know, so it's just, it's just that, that attention to detail. You know, I do a lot of thinking. My, uh, my staff thinks I'm crazy, man, because I'm, you know, I'm always asking them questions about stuff and just processing and, and, and our players too. They, they hate coming to my office because they know I'm about the, I ask one question, it's going to lead to another, you know, but that's just, that's how I am. You know, I just don't take for granted anything that, that's going on, you know, in this situation here because it could not be. You know, like, unless you have, like, really think about it. How much control do you really have? You know, besides instilling that mentality in the people around you. You know what I'm saying? And then believing it. Nah, that's great, Coach. It really is. Um, man, but as we wrap up. Uh, y'all better have, have people mad at me and shit, too. I understand too not, much. Not at all, man. Not at all. <laughs> we, we appreciate your transparency. I mean, really do, because, again, it – Again, this is this is what this is for, but you really um through this interview has shown us kind of your mindset and your mentality. And I don't think I think that's uh it's no surprise that you are where you are. Um I appreciate so, it. so we appreciate you, but but as we wrap up, man, like we said, this is the Black Excellence Podcast and um we definitely feel you definitely highlighted your story and highlighted your journey. Um and, and then told us a little bit about your testimony. But you know, it's our job for us to give you this platform and and you're doing uh what we appreciate you doing, which is blazing the path for the next generation. But um coach, as you and I and again, we both know you still have a long time left in this career. Uh but but when the time does come, coach, and it's time to hang it up, um, what message do you wanna leave uh for the next generation? Mm. That is a good question. And 
Shit, you done got me stuck. What what message? See, I don't want to say nothing corny and shit. Don't quit. You know, that'll be, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Man, um, honestly, you know, set your own path, man. You don't have to follow anybody else's. You know, like, I can appreciate you, you know, saying, and I thought you said it great um, in reference to your, your, your mentors. And I said I didn't have any mentors. That don't mean that my way is the right way. You know what I'm saying? You know, and, um, but I do encourage everybody, you know, create your own path. Like, everybody's experience ain't the same. Like, my experience is why. I go about it the way I go about it, just like yours is, and you're very blessed. You're very blessed to have the people in your life, and we talked a little bit about that on the phone, you know, where you're at right now. But um, yeah, don't don't try to make somebody else's journey your journey. You know, yours is gonna be different, you know, and, and, and sometimes it ain't easy. You know, like I told you, that 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 semester at VCU, I was telling my wife, man, I fucked up. I come here. I should have stayed where they listened to me and thought I could coach. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> but hindsight, best decision I ever made. I want to thank you so, so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast episode. Um, I want to give a huge shout out to Rising Coaches for partnering with us and giving us this platform um, to share these amazing stories. Real quick, Guys, if you are not a member of Rising Coaches and you are in the basketball profession, you want to coach, you're a seasoned coach, you're a beginner coach, it does not matter. I want to encourage you to check out Rising Coaches. Um, Join Rising Coaches and become a member of the largest coaching tree in basketball. Over 1,300 members from all levels, high school to NBA, gain access to over 1,000 hours of coaching clinics um, and build genuine relationships with other coaches. Rising Coaches provides the community and the resources that will help you have long-term success in the coaching industry. Please visit Rising Coaches to join or if you got any questions, hit me up.